In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the fourth Sunday after Advent, and or in Advent, excuse me. Uh, and so this is the, uh, the end of uh, this season, or close to it. We're about to uh, enter into the Christmas season. And I'll remind you that Christmas is not just one day. Christmas is 12 days long. And so the world is going to try to push you through and get you to finish Christmas and to have it all be done on the 26th. It's 12 days. Don't let them push you out of Christmas. In the same way, don't let them push you into Christmas. Uh, Don't let them let you uh, not keep the rest of Advent. We need these last couple of days of Advent uh, to continue to prepare our hearts and minds for the second coming of our Lord. Uh, We just have a little bit of time to do that, to allow our hearts and minds to be prepared uh, so that we can uh, come to expect and to be ready uh, for our Lord to come again. And uh, we do that by looking at how he came the first time and how it is uh, that the Lord promised that he would come, how it is that he gave the prophecy and that he prepared us for the coming of Jesus. I like to think of salvation history in in big blocks of time. It's easier for me to remember. So I look at these big 500-year blocks of time. Uh, So if you think about Abraham getting that first promise from the Lord of the covenant, uh, he tells Abraham, I'm going to raise up a people from you, a people of faith. Right. That happens in about 2000 B.C. And then about 500 years later, uh, the children of Abraham, right, the nation of Israel is brought out of Egypt. And again, the Lord promises to them, I'm going to take you into the promised land. I'm going to make you a great nation and people. That's about 1500 B.C., right, about 500 years after Abraham. And then they uh, get into the promised land and you remember that they're led by judges, which is what uh, we read about here in 2 Samuel, about how the Lord gives them judges. And then finally he raises up kings and he does that about 500 years later in about 1000 BC. So we're sitting here with King David at about 1000 BC. And so it's been about 1000 years that the Lord has been preparing his people, that he's been uh, building them up and that he's been bringing them to this place. You remember that when they come into the promised land with Moses, they have the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle. And then also you'll remember that King Saul uh, loses the Ark to the Philistines. And so it's separated from the tabernacle. And just before this passage in Second Samuel here, uh, David has uh, brought the Ark back. And he has established himself in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a Jebusite city. It was built on this great hill over 2,000 feet uh, above sea level. And so it's sitting in this uh, really high place. And uh, it's this great fortress. It's this uh, beautiful city. And uh, David takes it and he establishes his house there. He establishes his rule there. And he looks about him and he sees that the ark is not where it should be. And so he goes and he brings the ark And you'll remember that as he brings it into Jerusalem, he's dancing before the ark. He has totally given up himself, right? He has opened himself up uh, to ridicule. And that's exactly what happens. His wife, Michael, ridicules him, makes fun of him and says, how could you expose yourself that way? How could you show yourself in that dancing uh, to the people? And and David says, uh, I will dance always before the Lord and before his holiness. 
And Michael, in her inability to to expose herself to the Lord, to reveal herself, uh, dies in her sin. And she's the end of Saul's line. If you remember, she's Saul's daughter. And so when Michael dies childless, uh, Saul's line is totally extinguished. And so now we have David sitting as the sole ruler and heir of Jerusalem and of the nation of Israel. And he notices that all the things the Lord has given him. And he says, now I'm going to do something for the Lord. I'm going to build this house. And at first, Nathan the prophet says, yeah, everything you've done has been uh, beautiful before the Lord. Go and do this thing and build uh, this tabernacle for the Lord and, uh, and put his ark there. But then the Lord speaks to Nathan and, and the Lord says, I'm going to build you a house. Which, when we read that, we ought to think, wait a minute, David just built himself a house. He doesn't need a house. But the house that the Lord is talking about isn't a house with stones. We are the house that the Lord is talking about, established in the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and in every Christian, everyone who has the Holy Spirit within them to become living stones, this is the house that is promised. So 3,000 years ago, and a thousand years ago and two thousand years ago in the Lord and now even today these prophecies are coming true uh, even as we sit here today these promises that God makes and you'll notice that what the Lord says is I am going to do all these things look at all the action David says I'm gonna do this one thing and then the Lord says here's all this stuff I'm gonna do look at all the activity that the Lord has planned in verse um, Verse 8 on the front page of our bulletins. First he says, I took you from the pasture following sheep, right? You were a shepherd boy and I made you king. I took you from the pasture. I've been with you wherever you went. I will make you a great name. I will appoint you a place for my people. I appointed judges. I will give you rest from all your enemies. Do you notice a pattern here? The Lord's saying, I did all this, right? I don't need you to do anything. This is everything that I have done and will do. Right? In verse 11 he says, I will make you a house. I will make you a house. I will raise up offspring after you. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father. So he goes on and on talking about all the things that he will do. And, and has done. And this is that spiral of history we've talked about where the Lord says, this is what I have done. This is what, I'm an- this is what I am doing. This is what I will continue to do and how I will make uh, myself known. And so the house that he promises to David, of course, is the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, himself and his church. And he goes and he appears a thousand years after this promise to David and the Archangel Gabriel, and the Archangel Gabriel announces that two very important things are going to happen. And the two very important things are for us to know who Jesus is. Because if we get this wrong, we totally misunderstand who Jesus is and what he does for us. And then we misunderstand who we are and what our response to God needs to be. So we have to know who Jesus is. First of all, he is totally man, right? He's born of the flesh of the Virgin Mary. Right? She is also with Joseph in the line of David. She is the, the fleshly fulfillment of the promise that was made to David. She's in that line. He is born as her daughter. So he is totally man. Totally born of the flesh of this thousand year line of David. But then we also read that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and that this child will be the son of God. 
And God can only have God as his son, right? He can make creatures, but to beget, he can only beget himself. God from God, light from light, right? Just the way I can only beget human beings, God can only beget God. So Jesus is fully God. He is fully man and fully God. And in this way, in this way, God answers our sin by saying, I am going to become one of you so that I can reverse all of the curses of Adam. I can restore and do in you all the good things that I had made for you and promised. And in this reversal of the curses, we see Mary do what Eve could not. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Mary does what Eve could not. When the Lord comes to her and says, this is what I want you to do, Mary is able to say, I am humble before you. Right? I'm not going to stand up and say, well, maybe I'll do things my own way. Right? I'm humble before you as your servant, and be it unto me according to your word. Have everything that you say come to me. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? I don't know if you're like me, but you know, I start looking at magazines and thinking, oh, my life could be like this. My life could be like that, right? I could do all these wonderful things. Rather than humbling myself and saying, what does the Lord want? What are the Lord's plans? What has the Lord brought for me? And this is what Mary is able to do. She's able to humble herself and say, be it unto me according to thy word. And she's able to reverse uh, what happened in Eve. And she's able to be a conduit for the Holy Spirit and for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he becomes the kingdom. He becomes the house. Right, he is the house, and when we read that uh, that he will um, that he will uh, uh, what's the the word that he uses here? When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him. When we read about that discipline, this isn't Christ sinning. This is us as the church being disciplined. He promises to discipline us as this house, as these um, these bricks, these living stones, to be built into the house of Christ. So how do we do this? How do we participate? Uh, what is it that Mary does? Mary, uh, according to St. Paul, is living in what he calls the obedience of faith. Some confused people try to separate these two things. They try to make obedience be one thing and faith be another. Like faith is just this idea that we have or it's some ephemeral thing that sometimes God gives to us and lets us do hard things. No, obedience and faith always go together, right? Remember, Abraham is the father of faith. How is that? Because God said, do this, and he did it. Right? The Lord said, go to the promised land, and Abraham went. He said, sacrifice your son, and Abraham went to do that. So the obedience to faith, this uh, hearing the word of God, this uh, seeing what it is God wants for us to do in our lives, this uh, understanding what God's will is and then being obedient to it is what St. Paul says uh, that we're supposed to be doing here. This is uh, the end of the letter to the Romans uh, that we read here this morning. This is the very end of that beautiful uh, letter that he writes. It's a kind of a benediction. It's a closing of all that he said to the Romans. And so he's summarizing for them. He's saying uh, to live in the obedience of faith, we've got to have two things, right? We've got to be strengthened by preaching. Now, he's not just talking here about his letter or about what I'm doing here for uh, a few minutes, but this is about all of us telling the story of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is about the church preaching the gospel of Christ. How do we do that? We do that by telling people when they ask us, how are you doing? Or how did your week go? Or how's your day going? For us to say, this is what the Lord did for me. 
This is how the Lord's provided for me. This is how the Lord has gone before me. Uh, These are the opportunities that the Lord has given me. We're supposed to be preaching the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the way that we live and in telling people about the opportunities, the good things that God has given us. We preach with our lives and action, and we preach by giving God the glory, by saying, this is how I've been able to do what God has given me to do. He's the one who strengthened me. And then he says, according to the revelation of the mystery given long ago, disclosed by the prophetic writings. So for us to have faith, we've got to be able to look at what the Lord promised David. We've got to be able to look at what the Lord promised Mary. We've got to be able to look at what the Lord promised St. Paul and say, oh, he did that. The Lord said he was going to do it. And then he did it. And we have to read the prophets every day. We have to read the scriptures every day. That's how faith is built within us. When we look and we say, the Lord said he was going to do it, and he did it. And when we do that day in and day out, the more that we become convinced and the more that seed plants and grows in our hearts that we're able to start to see in our own lives, the Lord's doing something in my life too. He's got a plan for me, for me too. And we're able to live more in that obedience of faith. Isn't it strange that Gabriel said he'll be the king of Jacob? The house of Jacob? Why Jacob? If you remember, Abraham has Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob. But Jacob wrestles with God and is renamed Israel. When we talk about the kingdom, we talk about the kingdom of Israel. When we talk about the nation, we talk about the nation of Israel. But here he says he's going to be king over the kingdom of Jacob. If you remember that Isaac and Rebekah have these two children, and when Rebekah is pregnant, she has these two babies in her womb and they're fighting. And you remember she says, what is going on here, Lord? Why are these babies fighting? What is it that you're going to do? And the Lord tells her about both of their lives. And the first that's born is Red. And the Hebrew name for him is Esau. He's the Red baby. And when Esau comes out of the womb, grasping onto his ankle is Jacob, which in Hebrew means heel catcher. He's the heel catcher. And for all of Jacob's life, he is holding on to what Esau would have had as the firstborn. Esau would have had the blessing. And Jacob says, I want that. Esau would have had the birthright as the firstborn. And Jacob says, I want that. Esau would have had all of the blessings that were promised to Abraham. And Jacob says, I want that. We are born in baptism into the kingdom of heel grabbers. Of people that say, there's a blessing. There's something good that God has. There's a plan for my life. There's good things that my father has for me. I want that. And I will do whatever I can to get that blessing. I will wait upon him. I will worship him. I will read his scriptures. I will search for all of the blessings that my Lord has. I will not go. I will not let go without all the blessings 
of God. Let us be a kingdom of those who wrestle for the blessings of God.